0: Whether you're in the middle of some overthinking angst right now, or you simply love feeling in charge of your choices, you're in the right place. Clear, confident decisions are right around the corner. Let's get into it. Holy moly, happy Thursday. I have tried recording this intro three times, thrice right now, because I can't shut up about the conversation that you're about to hear, and then I just like find myself regurgitating it, which is not the point, Kirsten. So zip it. I am going to introduce my guest today, and then I'm going to shut up. I'm talking to Lauren Belukjian today, who is the founder and head coach of the Ivy League Sisters, which, as it happens, is hosting its annual virtual summit in November, which you should come to, get your cute little booty to the show notes, and go sign up for free right now. Why? Because it's A, going to be an amazing high-five day, and B, I am one of the speakers. I'm going to be leading this section on the power of self-authority and letting go of needing approval and permission in order to own your choices. And that's just one section, you guys. So if you wanna know more, you can go to the link in the show notes. You can skip to the end of the episode because that's where Lauren talks in depth about what you can look forward to. And I am just so excited for it. So excited that I had to interrupt our series on the decision styles. So sorry about that, but this is time sensitive and I promise we're gonna get back to them. So don't worry, I'm done. That's the shortest I could make it. I'm shutting up now. Enjoy the conversation. Go sign up for the Ivy League Summit. Welcome to the Decision Masters Podcast, Lauren. Thank you for having me. Why don't you let us know who you are in the world today, what you're up to? Mm. Gosh, who am I and where am I in the world today? Well, in this
1: moment... Well, just, you know, no big deal questions. I know. Um, well, I am... First off, I am a mom to seven children, um, yeah. blended family. So I'm navigating a new world. I just got married in June. Um, and under one roof. So there's just, there's a lot of changes and transitions happening, which is very appropriate because that's actually how I work with women is when they're going through changes and transitions in life and feeling stuck and feeling lost. And, um, I'm just really passionate about coaching and leading women when you get stuck, because I often find in those moments, like you just want to hide. You want to be alone. Like you're scared. And what I have found that has helped me so much is when I actually reach out, lean in and ask for support, but it's not in my nature. So that's actually, that's what I do. I I coach, I lead women in ways to help us rally together as a team. Like I really am finding Mm. in today's world where we are so can be so isolated and live in silos and try to be figuring this out on our own and holding so many worlds together. We are our own worst enemy and the isolationism can really cause, oh, just this defeatist sort of mentality. So where I am is I'm both myself finding ways to be part of communities and places where I'm supported in my personal lore in life and my personal professional lives very much married together with leading and creating spaces for us to all come together, gather in like a raw, real way, which is how we connected, right? Which is for the, you know, the Ivy summit that's coming up. It's a passion project of mine because I know how easy it is to get caught in putting on the armor, putting on the mask each day, being strong, you know, our family needs us our team needs us. Our community needs us. My parents need me as a daughter, like all these roles that we play and not having that safe space to like be held.
0: Mm. So I love your answer. Who, who, who are you today? Cause there are so many pieces to the story of who am I today? I wanted to just pause and take that in. Cause it really called attention to how disconnected I was from any kind of Ivy stuff, quote unquote, in my identity for like 10 years after I graduated. I didn't call myself an alumni. I wasn't on the newsletters. I didn't go to any events. I went to a couple of my drama school alumni events while I was still in the industry. But as soon as I left, I didn't participate anymore. And the Yale alumni larger community, I was like, I don't belong here. So I think that's just fascinating that you're really challenging everyone to question what Pieces are you putting in your story? Where are you deciding you belong? Where do you not think you belong?
1: Yeah, because, you know, I very much relate to you and what you're saying with the kind of disconnected from it. So, you know, one of my proudest moments, I can remember being in high school and getting that early decision letter from Dartmouth. I get there, you know, it's this huge sense of accomplishment. It is one of those things that, you know, as a kid, I would hear my parents like, where are you going to go to college someday? They didn't go to an Ivy League school they wanted something better for me than what they had. And there was just this like marker in my mind, like, how am I going to get there? Am I smart enough? Am I good enough? Am I going to be able to hit it? And so, you know, when that came and happened, I was like, wow, I'm here. And then there was this sense of like, I don't fit in. I don't belong.
0: Mm. Why?
1: Some of it had to do with, am I really smart enough to be here? Mm
0: -hmm. Some of
1: it was like, Oh, am I even, even though I was an athlete, I'm like, am I really a good athlete? Like all this stuff came up for me of feeling like, do I have to play a certain role to fit in and belong? Went through four years of college and then didn't, I was not someone that knew the track that I was going to follow. I was envious of those that were pre-med or Mm. going to law school or going to wall street or just knew the exactly the path they wanted to go on. I didn't, I didn't. And so I was grasping at places that I would get approval from. Mm -hmm. And I was a history major and I was good at writing. And I could remember when I was like 13 year olds, when I was starting to get my rebellious years, my dad, one time saying, you'd be a great lawyer. You're really good at arguing. And so I kind of clung on to that. I stuffed that one aside and said, okay, when I didn't know what I was going to do, I'm like, I'll go to law school. And I started studying for the LSAT and hated every second of it. But everyone Mm -hmm. might said, oh, I'm going to go to law school next year. There was applause. Like, oh, you'd be so great at it. Nobody except my brother asked me why. And the moment that question got asked to me, it was like, You know, those moments when you're like, you can hear you're giving an answer and it's just not genuine and you're Mm -hmm. trying to justify it and rationalize it in real time, but you're even hearing your own voice sounding, this isn't true. That's when it was a mirror. And uh, what was interesting is after graduating and not knowing that I felt scared. I felt not sure where I was going. I had a boyfriend at the time who was from Dartmouth and he was going on to play professional hockey. So I I just jumped on that. I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's go. My parents were supportive. We went off to Europe. We traveled for the year, but when I got back, it was time to get into like real life. I'm like, well, I went to Dartmouth. I should have, I should have door openers and I'm going to have connections and I'm going to figure this out. And I remember going to someone within the alumni relations and they're like, oh yeah, there's the, there's the Vox network. Go in there and you'll find, you know, people you can reach out to. And it was just like, so overwhelming. It was a list Mm. of men mainly. And I called a few of them and I just felt so not this relatability. And so I did not lean into the Dartmouth network and community Mm -hmm. a whole lot for many, many years. I did not feel at the time very supported. And then It wasn't until I went through an an unexpected divorce. So here I was, I'm climbing up that corporate ladder. I ended up figuring out my way. I'm driven. I'm ambitious. I'm all those things. I have four children in a span of five years. And I'm thinking if I look back at that, that person, I'm like, she was, she was happy. She -hmm. was not complaining. She was doing fine. But when I faced my unexpected divorce, that hit a pause button and that had me looking in the mirror and then making, asking myself lots of questions, just recognizing like, do I want to keep doing what I'm doing? Why am I doing this? Am I making the impact? And is this maybe happening for me to shift me and have me look in a totally different direction, which led me down to realizing the power of women and the power of community Mm -hmm. and how important that is in times of transition. And someone had said to me, oh, reach out to the women of Dartmouth. And I'm like, I roll, like, oh no. Like, (laughs) it it just didn't seem, I was like, no, I don't need this. Like, I I had this image of my head, right? of whatever it was, but I said, okay, you know what? Drop the judgment. Let's have this be an experiment Mm because I'm all about trying experiments and just, you have these stories in our head. You have these beliefs of what it's going to be. But if you actually keep an open mind and you just say, I'm just going to stay open. I'm going to, it's going to be an experiment. Guess what? I was pleasantly surprised. I got. I ended up finding a mentor and a place in this community that now I'm, I volunteer, I lead circles. It's now led me to the Ivy sisters. Like this mm-hmm. one decision that I made and the one that I was probably judging most and thinking not for me ended up being the doorway to what I do, my passion,
0: you know. So you just never know. You ended up on a corporate path that you felt good about at the time. I think that that's really valuable for people to hear because I struggled after my career change for a long time with just what story am I going to tell about this, which I think is kind of fine. It's like sometimes you just need some distance before Mm -hmm. you can wrap your story up. But I think for a while I was telling the story, like I stayed in that job way too long. I should have listened to my truth sooner. I didn't know why I was making all the decisions I was making from, you know, career choices to where I live to all the things. And I think I just really appreciate the way that you kind of laid this story out. It's, it's giving yourself a lot of grace. It's like, yeah, I lived, I lived life how I lived and I made choices that I made for reasons. There were reasons behind them, whether you thought them through or liked them or totally agreed with them or agree with them now. I don't hear a lot of energy going into judging any of that.
1: Oh, yeah. I believe in divine timing. I mean, I Mm. really believe that things happen in an order that we don't need to force or accelerate necessarily. Like mm. the timing happened perfectly when it needed to happen in just the most like magical way. Like there were periods and pockets. Like I had at one point, I think it was after having my second child, I did quit my job and I'm like, okay. I, I, I'd I always felt this yearning inside. I have felt that for as far back as I can remember. Yeah, I wanna do something big. I wanna make an impact. I wanna serve people but I never could name what that thing was. And so when I was going as a new motherhood and I was um, at these mommy and me classes, which I, in some ways felt so awkward. I'm like, this is not me, but I also was like, I could create some sort of community. Like there was, my brain was constantly trying to think like, you know, what could this be? And I, so I quit my job at at one point thinking I'm going to try to figure this out. And Mm -hmm it was really scary. I was had the support of my husband and it was interesting to look back on that because I was still grasping, right? I was like, it was a messy stage of life where I was like in my creative studio of my brain, trying to figure out what this could possibly be. I was playing with all sorts of things. I remembered meeting with a few like lunch meetings to talk about creating this app. This was an idea. Like, oh. So I started making wireframes and it still just wasn't quite it wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right timing. And so interestingly, I got an email from an old boss that said, Hey, we have, we're looking to recruit people back. Like we would love to have you back on the team. And when I got that email and it showed up and I was like, there was relief, which told me something felt right. My body was mm. saying something feels right about this. I was questioning, is this just because I'm scared and unsure by pass- like going down this other path that feels uncertain? Or is this something that really is in alignment? So again, back to staying open and experimenting, I just, I met with her and I was like, okay, yeah, this is the right thing. I accept the job, Kirsten. Two weeks later, I find out I'm pregnant. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And I have to tell this. So I actually accepted the job and she knew I was only gonna be back for nine months and then I'd be going on leave. But again, yeah, the things just kept kind of folding as they did. And I'm always listening, like tuning in and just checking in, is this right? Is this a season? Is this a time right now? And allowing and trusting, like, I don't need to force anything. So when I went back to work after having my fourth child and wanting to prove myself and loved my team, this is, I think, where people get stuck is if you are in a job where you're like, I actually do love many things, parts of what I do. I'm really good at it. I'm getting accolades or I'm getting even like bonuses and promotions. And what helped me became really stark and say, okay, this is not right for me anymore. I went back to work. I'm actually asked for what I wanted, which was part-time. Again, anyone listening, ask for what you want. My company did not do part-time. And I just said, if I'm going to still work here, this is what I can offer right now. I was so scared having that conversation, but I was also like, this is true for me. Cause if this they can't true, be, yeah, I can't do this. I had nothing yeah. to lose. And they did. And then the, the shoe dropped where I had found out that my husband was having an affair. And so I knew I needed to be really honest and transparent with my managers to say like, I'm going to need some support. Like I, I'm not going to be working at full. I can't mentally be at full capacity. And they made accommodations really made amazing accommodations. And that was in a really like difficult transitional period. But I found that by first of all, expressing where I was at and just being honest, it gave me at least a breath of air. And then ultimately what ended up happening was I started doing my healing journey and realizing, I don't know if this is the right job for me. And then they moved me to a different team. I kept trying different things and different projects and The final straw for me was when I started going down this coaching path and they offered, what if we have you be a coach for our team? And again, at first that was like, oh my gosh, the universe is aligning. Yes. And then my very intuitive brother, once again, asked me, do you think that that's really what you want or are you still playing small?
0: Oh, props to the brother.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, (laughs) So I, the honest answer when I sat with that question was I really want to be out there doing my own thing. I'm done following a certain way of coaching and way of being like, that was something that so much, I could get emotional about this right now. I was like, I want to just break free. Yeah. And I needed that permission. And I need, I, so I told the company, I said to them, this is going to sound crazy. You have offered me really everything I could possibly ask for. And I am so grateful. And I, I might six months from now be saying, can I come back and do that? And you have yeah. every right to say no. But th- something inside me is just telling me I need to try this as an experiment and see what happens. And so I am not going to accept this offer to coach and I am going to set up an LLC and I am going to try to go on my own and I don't have a clue what I'm doing. And I've got the humility to say like, I could be a total idiot and not know what I don't know and fall on my face, but that's okay. Cause at least I can say I went for it. And this was the most amazing thing. This is back to when you just throw it all out there. You just never know what's going to be delivered. The CMO said to me, well, what if you set up that company and we get to be your first client? And I was like, that works. That yeah. works. And the odd thing Kirsten was, I could have stated the company, which had benefits, which had equity, which had a lot of really attractive, alluring things of safety that would have kept me protected. I was going through a divorce. Like financially, it didn't make a lot of sense. It did not make any sense what I was doing. Yeah, But I couldn't deny myself that voice and that stir. And when it feels right and when the timing is right, I just believe that sometimes you just got to take the action. And for me, helping to frame it as an experiment yeah, made a difference. I said to myself, I'm going to give this in fairness to myself, 18 to 24 months. I'm also going to consider this to be an investment in a startup. So I am going to pay myself over these 18 to 24 months. I'm willing to pull from some savings or from other areas to help me, you know, stay afloat and stay in the mindset of let's see what happens. Like even if I earn, if I have no clients, like I want to take that, all that pressure off. If I get zero clients, I am just committing to an 18 to 24 month runway to see what happens. Oh Lauren, I like I told myself, Lauren, I don't even want to hear, but I don't mind making money because we've already yeah. made a conscious
0: decision. It's not about that right now, right? Oh my gosh. Everyone listen to the conversation she's having to with herself. This is what we <laughs> talk about all the time. I released that
1: and allowed and continue to allow. And it is anyone that's an, an entrepreneur or Figure, runs their own business, knows there's, it's a roller coaster. It's got ups and downs. No, two days are the same. However, I wouldn't trade a thing for the life it breathes into me. I would, I, I remember saying, I will downsize. I will take things away. I will script, I will cut things. Like It was so clear to me what yeah. mattered that other parts of my life could
0: shrink to make this part open and expand. In my decision-making process, I talk about First, starting with clarity about what you want and being honest about it. What you're describing throughout your story, it's like an attunement to, is this what I want? And really being okay if the answer is not obvious and immediate. I think that that's where so many of us get hung up. It's so normal to think, I don't know, kind of feels right because it's familiar and comfortable and safe and parts of it I like, and it kind of feels right. And like, that's a fine answer. But the more attuned you are to it, the more you can take steps in that direction that you are sure And then the next step we talk about is addressing fears and then having a conversation with yourself about each of them, like making agreements with yourself. Like, okay, there's part of us that thinks we're not going to make any money. What do we want to do about that? And you had a very clear self-agreement. Okay, well, three days go by, three months go by, we don't make money. That's not a reason to make a different decision. Like here are the parameters. Yeah. Brilliant. So talk to me about this experiment situation, because this is a lot to do. I mean, this has guided your life decisions. It's brought you a lot of success. It's the foundation of a lot of the work you do. Yeah. Why should we all be experimenting more? Okay. Well, (laughs) first off, your life is your laboratory. Your
1: life is your laboratory. And you are the lead scientist. And it is your job to collect the data to find out what is your true user manual. Mm. So we have been so conditioned and we operate often on this manual that has been written by our parents, our caregivers, our teachers, our society, our you name it. And it's handed to us and we just blindly follow it thinking this is me. These are my values. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm good at. Yeah. And until we pause and question and look at some of that and say, hmm, is that me? Is this the track that I want to be on? We are distancing ourselves from our true self, our home self, where we're going to feel most safe, most comfortable. We also have these patterns that have been running in our operating system for so long that we aren't even aware of their impact. We're just that's comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So, quick example, when I was going through my divorce, my patterning and where I was able to like feed my ego was going out and talking to people. And when you end up having a breakup that you're not expecting, there is this like, ooh, like, who am I now? Am I worth it? Is anyone going to, you know, want to be with me? All that comes up. And I found that the junk food for me would be to go to a bar and talk to a bunch of guys and get some attention and feel good about myself. But I'd be drinking, I'd be staying up late, wasn't taking care of myself. It would only feed into the next day, a deeper spiral of like anxiety and the fears and the insecurities. But it's hard when it's a beautiful sunny day and you don't have your kids and you're feeling like, I don't know, I want to be social. I don't want to be home just crying. But what I started to say is I want to be intentional about this decision. And you know Mm -hmm. what? All the patterning is saying to go out and do that. And I'm actually going to try something in reverse in the experiment. And I'm going to nurture myself and I'm going to stay home and I'm not going to wallow and woo as me, but I'm going to like read. I'm going to take a bath. I'm going to like candles. Oh my gosh, Kirsten. I started to like fall in love with this time to myself. (laughs) It was amazing. So first time I did it, I can remember the next day waking up on fire. Like my brain was just, I felt so good. I felt so oh, yeah. loved. I felt like it, it was such a dichotomy to the nights where I'd go out and the next day wake up with like a headache and like, oh shoot, when are the kids, are the kids coming back? Am I ready for them? That it, like life was a struggle versus life is an invitation to explore and get curious. So that was like the mm. first one that I did. And then I just started taking more self-care habits and practicing them in different ways. Like I was not a strong meditator, but I'm like, I want to try seven minutes of silence and see how that translates to me. I want to try listening to um, guided meditation. I started finding my dials, my manual, my way that fit right for me. And so I yeah. knew like, I'd written down what are seven things, seven daily habits that would be really good for me to do. And then I'm going to experiment with the different ways that they work for me.
0: I love the invitation to make it an experiment and not take on that pressure. Here's who you are supposed to be if you want to be a healthy, happy person. And here's a list of stuff you have to add to your plate. Exactly.
1: So that's the whole thing. That would be like taking what I'm saying is like you've been given this manual that you are like, is this mine? And then someone just saying, no, that's not your manual. You're supposed to use this one. And you're like, Oh, really? And then feeling like, but that doesn't feel like me either. Like the self-discovery journey should be exciting and curious and experimental because we are always evolving and growing.
0: Which is not what most high achieving, ambitious, hardworking people are taught, especially if you're in a competitive industry or Ivy League circles, you're not taught, hey, make this fun ever and make it an experiment. Exact hot. Don't fuck it up. Don't stray from the path. You're going to waste time. You're not going to be able to get back in. Right. It's so much pressure.
1: So, I don't know about you, but I love a good process that gives me the freedom to play with and experiment within having some process was what really helped me. And so I I mapped it out. And so, yeah, I'm going to go through these seven daily rituals, seven daily habits. And then coupled with that, there's seven sacred powers that we have as women that we were definitely, definitely not taught in school, like at all. This methodology seven by seven, which is what I coach, which is what I live by. It's like my code is steps and habits that as you tweak your dials and find your own way through your life as its own laboratory, it, is a formula it's like a medicine that keeps you grounded and feeling centered and a path back home to yourself um i'm also like i don't do complicated i like things to be simple and so Mm, amen the seven daily habits they follow a b c d e f g which is easy to remember (laughs) yeah and the first one is attunement making time for yourself to just attune and check in where's my energy today is it all over the place what do i need to do to bring it back the B is brain dump. There are so many thoughts swirling in this big old brilliant brain of ours. And if we even take two minutes to just literally brain dump, set a timer for two minutes and write whatever is there, it's like a stream of consciousness, immediate relief, mm. immediate relief. And you could take it a step further and write like three simple things you're going to accomplish that day. But even if you don't do that, it goes from here, it goes to the paper, and there is distance from the thoughts mm-hmm. and there is perspective and it doesn't feel it. So you, it's more of like, Oh, okay. What felt like was part of me is now outside of me. The next one C is cleanse. So cleansing ourself with like, I drink 32 ounces of water before I put any other beverage in or food in my body each day. Our cells get all shriveled and over the night and, let's wake them up. Like, let's get them waking up and moving and let's move all that energy out of us. So it's cleanse, cleanse yourself with water. And I mean it like 32 ounces, you will feel good. And then, um, I'm like ABCD (laughs) yeah, dream. So it's, it's having like a night routine, a real consistent ritual where you're having some digital detox, some distance. So you can have a dream routine. If you're finding yourself passing out to Netflix or numbing yourself with food or of alcohol or having to take a sleeping pill or I was the Benadryl person. I would use Benadryl oh, to yeah. self-medicate to help me sleep. Not good. Not good for long-term. So um, having that dream routine and then E exercise, we all know we need it, but it doesn't have to be this big, intense sweat dripping off of you workout. It's simply like body movement. We're getting, getting older, yeah. stretching, like just moving. Like we could even be doing that right now. It's like just that exercise makes yeah. a difference, but it, often this will look different because again, we've been conditioned for it to appear a certain way for it to count, right? Yes, exactly, yes. Then the F is fuel, fueling yourself with intention. What are you putting in your body? Honestly, what are you fueling yourself with? Are you slowing down enough to be thoughtful of what it is? And then the G is grounded with nature look outside. The leaves know when they need to change. They don't try to force anything. As the leaves start to fall, they're not stuffing them back into their pockets and their bra. It's like, no, don't leave me. They just are like, this is the season to let go. And it makes space for what's to bloom and what's to come. So finding time to connect with nature each day, even as simple as like staring at a tree and releasing your own agenda and wants and letting some space for yourself to co-create with this amazing universe that has your back is really powerful so you know you do these seven habits consistently daily and there's a flow to your day but how they look is different for every woman right right yeah how you practice these can look different and that's okay and that's where your freedom and your power lies with your user manual and then the uh, the seven sacred is actually kind of what we're going to be doing on the day of Ivy Summit. So it's all oh. about learning to, yeah, naturally, like you, Kirsten, are talking about power of self-authority. That's one of the final principles of this is how you get to make a decision from alignment.
0: And this is what we're going to do at the Ivy Summit. I wonder if you could high level recap them. And then if you're listening and you're like, yes, I want to talk about self-authority or any of the other things we're going to talk about, sign up free for the Ivy Sister Summit.
1: So first one is be intentional. Slowing down enough to ask why you're doing what you're doing and make space for that. Second one is uh, embracing vulnerability. Like let's make a conscious effort to take the mask down and actually look at some of those fears and insecurities and voices and determine what they really are saying and what they're all about and not banishing them, but actually making intentional space to get curious about them, right? Not judge, not judge, but get curious. And then from there, honoring self-compassion. Because we all need that more in our life, that gentleness, that softness, that forgiveness, that space that we know how to give others. But I think as women, giving it to ourselves is where we often don't. (laughs) And then from there, it's your power of your purpose. What connects you to your values, your core foundation? Who are you at your core? When you strip away all this other baggage and bullshit and beliefs that aren't yours, what's there? Who are Mm -hmm. you? And from there, you can really start to write the story of your life. You can be the author and the creator of your life. And that's where power of self-authority comes in. Lead with self-authority, with intention, knowing your insecurities, giving yourself that grace of self-compassion and honoring who you are. That's what we're gonna do on this day is we're gonna make space to not just learn about these principles, but actually experience them together. And from that, you will walk away with a better understanding of who you are and what this is all about. And so that's what I'm just, I'm so excited to gather women. And if you are all are like, oh, I'm not going to belong, or am I enough? Am I going to be enough? You're going to be a bunch of among other women that are having that exact, exact same, same dialogue. Yep, I already know I'm going to show up that day and be like, oh, I'm in front of an intimidating crowd. They really want to hear from me, Lauren. And all that BS, right? No, it's like when we yes. can actually acknowledge that and say the power is in our collective wisdom, Ugh. throw some confetti. Come on. Listen.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is all I do all day.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. This has been so fun. Oh, thank Thanks you so playing. much.
0: The link to join the Ivy summit for free is in the show notes. So go do that immediately. You have a freebie, a guide.
1: Yes. So I have a free guide. It's uh, your 49 day challenge to help you overcome self-doubt and build confidence. It'll walk you through a bunch of experiments. You can have some fun with it. And let me know like what, what you collect, what data you find out about yourself.
0: Amazing. Go get your guide. I'm so grateful for your conversation today. I'm so jazzed about this summit it's going to be so delicious and high vibe and there's going to be so much connection. We just went over the agenda yesterday and there was breakout rooms the entire day. You can to have real conversations with people. And I'm just so excited that all of our life experiments led to this point where I get to be in your orbit. You are just the specialist person and I'm lucky to be connected to you and see what impact you make on the world and participate in it a little bit, which is so much fun. It's
1: feelings are mutual and it's one of those things, right? When you're connecting with someone and you feel my energy going up or is it diminishing? And like Kirsten, you are an energy lifter. You are someone who okay. just gives that permission to be free and play and talk and be imperfect. And that is such a gift. So thank you for creating this space. Thank you for having this podcast. Thank you for having me on. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to what we're going to create on the 9th of November.
0: Right. And beyond, we'll see. And beyond, everybody there. Yes, and beyond. Just the be- this is just the beginning. Okay, everybody, sign up. We'll see you there. And have a beautiful day, everybody. Thank Bye. you, everyone. Hey, want to find out your decision style? Um, obviously. Go take the decision style quiz. It's in the show notes and at kirstenparker.com forward slash quiz. We all have our style when it comes to making decisions, but do you know how to use your default way of thinking to your advantage? Or do you mainly get stuck in the most annoying parts of overthinking and people-pleasing? The decision style quiz has your answers, my friend. Take it right now at kirstenparker.com forward slash quiz.